The one thing that I would say is how much of your life do you live based on your own experience? And how much of your life do you live based on other people's experiences that they have given you, that they have shared with you, that they have told that this is the way, this is the truth? The key to truly having a fulfilling life and a happy life is to find and live your own experience. What is true for you? Because when you begin to connect into that truth, that inner truth of who am I, why am I here, where am I going, how am I to do this, you'll begin to live in a centeredness within yourself, an assuredness of your knowing that will carry in, carry you into the day, assisting you in fulfilling and finding and enjoying your life. But if we are living truths that other people have given us and we are ever trying to live those truths, but yet they're not ours, where does that take you? I say that because when I was a child, my parents taught me a lot of things. This is right, this is wrong, this is safe, this isn't. And I took all these different definitions of my life that they were giving me and lived them. They were a great demonstration of how to live the truths that they were teaching me because they were living them. But when I began to apply them as I was growing up, I realized that some of the things that they told me didn't work for me. That wasn't true for me. There were other things inside of me that stirred and said, no, 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 this is how you want to do it. This is who you are. This is what you believe. And eventually I was in conflict. And I had to make a decision when, as, when I was in my early teens whether or not I was going to follow my father's way, my mother's way, and even my brother's way, because he was 16 years older than me, and he did all he could to tell me his way as well. And it was out of love, it was out of caring, but I realized as I was growing up that their truth wasn't mine. And every time I tried to follow their truth, I hurt. It seemed to be pulling me away from something that was true for me. So I finally had to say inside myself, for this period of time, and I gave myself three months, 90 days, I'm going to begin to write down, and I had a journal that I wrote in, I'm going to journal about my own truth every day. What is true for me today? And I would write down my truth for the day that I felt when I woke up. I would write down my truth at noon, at lunch break at school. And I would write down my truth that I had come aware of during the day before I went to bed. And I did that for 90 days. And when I would go to bed at night, besides writing the truth down that I had come to be more aware of and experience and know, to be my truth, 
I also wrote down what would have been the truth I would have lived if I had not known and gone after this other one that was mine. And it was very interesting to begin to look and see my father's truth, my mother's truth, my brother's truth, and my truth. And sometimes they kind of went parallel, but a lot of times they didn't. And then I sat down with my mom and my dad after my nanny days, and I talked to them about it. And I said, I know you're, you're good parents and you're trying to be good parents. And you're telling me all this about how I'm supposed to live my life and I'm, I'm trying to do it, but some of these things you're telling me doesn't work. And, and I want to do my life differently. And I just want you to know that because you're probably going to be hurt because I'm going to be believing and saying things that you're not going to like. And yet it's not that I'm against you. It's that I've got to live to my truth. Here's a good example. When I was born, my parents were not religious. They were spiritually focused, but they were not religious. They did not go to church. In my whole life with them, we went to church twice. One time it was at a Christmas time, and one time it was Easter. But that's the only two times I ever saw my parents walk into a church. Partly because my mother was born Jewish and raised Jewish to nine, and during the Depression, and a divorce that happened with my grandmother and grandfather, she ended up in an orphanage. And in order to get her out of the orphanage, my grandmother had to marry somebody very quickly and get them back out of the orphanage. There was three sisters. And she did. She married the first man that said, yes, I'll marry them. I'll marry you and we'll get them out of the orphanage. So she married a Baptist minister. And he figured he was going to convert four Jews <laughs> real quick, which he did. But it caused my mother some confusion, even though she became a very devout Christian in her belief with Jesus and her daily prayer. My father was raised Methodist, but they weren't really devout Methodists, they were Methodists by name, by convenience. But my father was spiritually focused. So we would talk, not daily, but we would talk quite often about God, about spirit, about loving, about different things. And they were giving me their interpretation, their understanding through their growth process in life with spirit. But there was a part of me that wanted to go to church. I wanted to go find out, well, what is this all about? What are people doing? Why do people keep asking me, what religion are you? What church do you go to? Why is that so important out there in the world? And so I went and I sat down and talked with them and told them that I wanted to go to church. And I was going to try all these different religions out. Well, I started doing that at a very early age. Well, at the age of 14, I decided that I wanted to focus on one religion now. And I wanted to study it, practice it, and be 
baptized in it because I had never been baptized. So that was part of the conversation of me following my own truth and my own way in order to find my truth and my path of life. And so we sat and we talked and my parents were really shocked and surprised. I decided that I wanted to be a Roman Catholic and become a priest. And I had already searched into it. I had gone up and talked to a priest without them knowing it on Saturdays, had my catechism, was ready for my baptism. I had been visiting the seminary, which was just three blocks up from the church and about maybe a mile from my house every Saturday evening or afternoon and talking to people up there and attending some of the things that they did, getting familiar and seeing, did I really want to do this? So when I sat down and talked to my parents about it, it was like, what? You've been doing what? We've got to watch you closer. (laughs) But they let me do it. They said, you know, they do not want to stand in my way of finding my truth and fulfilling me the way that I wanted to fulfill myself. So they allowed me to do it. They came to the baptism. They came to my first communion. They came to all these different things. My mother even went up and talked to the priest about the Catholic Church to see what she needed to understand and to learn and how this all worked for her in relationship to this. And it was, it was a... It was actually a nice experience because I began to be able to voice my truth and not hide it and began to be able to live my own truth in a way that I wasn't sure I was supposed to before. Well, over the years, I have found a lot of people are still living truths that were given to them by their mother, by their father, by relatives of all kinds. And they're ever trying to do it the right way. They're ever trying to make mom and dad right. I've got to do this. They they were right. They knew what they were talking about, and I've got to do it their way. And they're living by those definitions. But sometimes, if we really look closely, they're not our definition of ourselves. They were their definitions for themselves. And I saw this happen one time, not necessarily about definitions people had given them about how to live their life, but I was talking to a gentleman, a man who came to talk to me about his dreams and about some of the stuff that was going on in his life that was really very much tearing him apart. And he had been to a psychiatrist and been to several psychologists over the years And one of them was Jungian, and one of them was Freudian. And the Jungian had taken and gone through all of his dreams and given him definitions of these different dreams. And I thought that was very interesting. And he felt that that really offered him a great amount of insight and truth for himself. And I said, well, what is the greatest dream that seem to give you a definition of yourself. 
And so he told me the dream, and then he told me the definition that was given to him by this psychologist. And I said, Do you, is that your truth? I mean, listening to that dream and what they interpreted it to be, is that your truth? And he goes, well, I've been conflicted about his interpretation, but I, 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 he knows what he's talking about, so... You know, I'm I'm doing my best to live accordingly. Well, I said, let me give you my definition of what, if that was my dream, it would mean to me. So I began to share with him what his dream meant to me. And if I'd had that dream, this is what it would have meant to me. This is how I would have moved with it. And as I was talking, all of a sudden, he just started crying. And I went, uh-oh, <laughs> have I gone somewhere I wasn't supposed to go? And he and I stopped, and he said, go on, go on. And so I kept talking, and he kept crying. And I came to the end of my interpretation, and he cried for a minute, and then he kind of calmed down, and he looked at me, and he kind of laughed, and he says, I don't believe it. You just explained that dream to me the way I knew it meant to be for me. But I've always tried to live this other meaning, this other definition. And I have been conflicted and in pain trying to make what he said right in my life. And he said, if I had just listened to myself and followed my inner truth that you just shared with me, I would have been so happy all these last 10 years in comparison to the, the pain and the conflict I've had in myself. And I learned right then that one thing I want to help people understand is to get in touch with their truth, to stop listening to the truths of others that are being placed upon them and to follow their own truth. But now, where do you find your own truth? What is that voice of truth inside of you? And how do you begin to hear it? And how do you begin to trust it? And how do you interpret the way it shares with you? That's what meditation is about. Meditation is a way by which you go inside and begin to touch into your truth, your inner truth. Not the truth of the world, but the truth of who you are as soul, as spirit, as divine. And it's a wonderful thing to begin to touch into that movement of loving and to begin to experience God's truth that dwells in you coming alive in you and beginning to express itself and share itself and demonstrate itself in you and around you, and for you, and with you. But it means going inside and letting go of all that is out here that has been placed there for you to see, to know, to experience, to believe, and to go inside and begin to let go of everything to come in touch with the truth inside of you. And your truth is different than my truth, and my truth is different than another. Because we are all here to have a certain 
experience of life. God has put the soul into this creation to experience creation and to experience it in many different ways. That's why there are so many souls inhabiting so many bodies so that God can experience life from so many different angles and aspects of it. So that God in us and God in all of us and God that is can have the greatest understanding and knowing and experience of God's self in creation, in expression. And so each of us are here to have experience in our own way. But in order to do that, we've got to get in touch with that which is inside of us that knows that truth and begin to touch into that and live that fully. So I would say, give yourself three months. Give yourself three months and make a commitment to yourself that you're going to spend some time every day asking yourself, what is my truth right now? What is my truth today? What is my truth? And see if you don't begin to pull something from within you that begins to reveal a simple truth of who you really are and what it is you're really here to do. And let it be okay if that truth that you touch into shakes you a little bit stirs you a little bit because it will because it may rub up against all those things that have ever been put on you that you've been holding as sacred that you've been holding as precious as something that you have to do because I'm a Gordon I'm a Smith I'm a this I'm a that and this is what we do well maybe it's not true maybe this isn't what we do Maybe it's time now for you to do what you do and let go of all that other. Tradition is a wonderful thing, but tradition also can work against us if we're not careful. So meditation is a simple action of getting in touch with you, with who you really are, with your truth, with your loving, with your essence, with that life force that gives life to this body. Look around. We all are different. We're all having different experiences. We all are looking for one thing. Love. We're all looking to be loved. And we're all looking for a place to love. The soul is loving. And the soul is ever longing and looking for that place where it can be loving. Be loving with itself and be loving with others. But the thing is, we're always looking outside for the love. Because the world told us, well, it's out here. Your love of your life is out here. Your truth is out here. It's in these books. It's in this school. It's in this church. It's in this temple. It's in that person. That's not really what I have found. Your truth, your love is all inside you. 
The soul is loving. If we will get in touch with that loving essence inside of ourselves and begin to live in that movement of loving, we are going to find a fulfillment in life that is greater than anything we could ever imagine. Because we will fulfill our truth. We will fulfill our loving. We will find the true love of our life, which is our own soul. You know, a lot of people have come to me over the years, and I've been counseling and talking to people since I was 18 years old. And the one thing, especially years ago, not, not quite so much as, as, as in the past, but people would come to me looking for their soulmate, their twin flame. And they know it's the person's out here. Oh, I'm going to find them. I know I can feel it. I know they're in the world and I'm going to, I'm going to marry them. And the one thing I've always said is there is no soulmate in the world. Stop looking. Because your soulmate is in spirit. It is in soul. It is you. The truth of who you are looking for is that divine living loving essence that lives in the realms of soul and spirit. That is you. And only a divine spark has come down into this physical body to inhabit and animate it and have experience here. And when it is done, it withdraws from the physical body. The body becomes inanimate. And you go back as this divine spark and merge back into your own soul once again, your soulmate, and you are one. And you are complete and fulfilled. That's the journey of the soul. It isn't about out here. There's nobody out here in the world that is also carrying your soul essence and you two have to come together to be fulfilled in the world. That's not the journey of the soul. Our loves in the world are places where we can learn. They are great teachers to us as we are great teachers to them. And when we come together and loving in this world, it's because we have an opportunity with that other person to learn and to grow together and to have that support and to also have a mirror of ourselves so that we can have reflected back to us our lessons as we reflect back to them theirs. But they are not our soulmate. They are not going to complete us. We have to complete ourselves by doing the inner and the outer work. And then we can merge back with our soulmate, which is in the soul. I love in the Bible it says that what God has brought together, let no man tear asunder. And they use that a lot in reference to marriage. Well, there's also a spiritual marriage that takes place. And that's really the truth of the reflection of marriage in the world, where the two become one. And let no man tear this asunder. Let not the world tear apart that which has been joined together once again in spirit. 
It's about this divine spark, the bride, and the soul, in the soul realm, the groom. And it's for us, the bride, to find the way to get back to the groom and to once again have that spiritual marriage where we merge together as one. And it's interesting. In the metaphysical circles, there is a very poor reflection of that greater truth. We have the chakra systems. And oftentimes you hear about the pituitary and the pineal gland, the brow center and the crown. Those are two centers that psychically, if you can open up and wake up to, you can become psychic according to their definition. And it's true. You can begin to have some amazing experiences by opening up these psychic centers within the body. They're not spiritual like most people interpret it to be. They're psychic centers. You have three different qualities of experience that you as a soul have. The first level of experience is a down and out gaze from these centers here in the consciousness where the soul resides in this area of consciousness, down and out into the world to have experience in the world. That's the first gaze that the soul has through the mind, through the emotions, through the body, and out into the world, and we have experience. And that's how the soul learns through experience about this creation. The next level of sight or vision or seeing is straight ahead. And that's out into the paranormal, not the normal, but the paranormal realms, which is the psychic realms. And the psychic realms are the unseen realms of the physical, the imaginational, the emotional, the mental, and the unconscious. And then you have the spiritual vision, the spiritual sight, the spiritual experience, which is looking up. So you can have the down and out, you can have the straightforward, which is the psychic, and you can have the straight up, which is the spiritual. Well, when you're walking the inner pathway of the spiritual journey, such as we share about with the path of sound and light, you're walking the pathway looking straight up. We're not involving ourselves so much in the world. We're going to do the world because that's what we're here to do. We're not going to involve ourselves with the psychic. We are looking to God. We are looking for a direct experience with God, with spirit, with loving, and with our own soul, which is in God's realms. And so we can then begin to pull our awareness and that soul essence that resides here as the bride and bring it back up into the soul and the soul realm and merge it together as one. And don't let anybody in this world tear that apart once it's been joined together. Well, we have a reflection of that with the brow and the crown, the pituitary and the pineal, the male and the female. And it is said in the psychic teachings of different teachers of psychic development throughout the ages that 
if you bring the bride and the groom together, if you bring the princess and the king together, you will, or the king and queen together, you will merge into the one, and that's where the psychic gift comes from. And there's a truth in that. But it's only taking place from this level down. It's all the psychic realms, the paranormal, the unseen worlds, and the seen, the physical. But it has very little to do with the spiritual. Jesus, Kabir, Aristotle, Lao Tzu said, first, first, that which is true is to be known. Jesus said it as, Seek first God, and all else shall be given unto you. Seek first the truth of the knowing of all things, and then you will have all available to you. In other words, then the psychic and the understanding of the physical world and how to make all that work will be there for you without any effort. It will be there for you. Seek first God. Seek first the truth and all else shall unfold. That's something to consider. And what I was talking about early on was for you to begin to seek out your own truth and stop living by other people's definition of you. Seek first the truth, and everything else just unfolds automatically. And the great thing is, the one thing that unfolds it all is the loving that resides in you. It's here. It's inside you. It's not in the world. This world does not know loving. It never will know loving. It is not made up of loving. It's a material, psychic piece of experience, not spiritual. All that is of the physical creation is of one creation. And spirit is another. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was void and without form. There was nothing here. We are of soul. We are of spirit. We are of the first creation. And that first creation is created out of a movement of God's loving. This is but a poor reflection of the true. And a reflection of loving doesn't carry much with it in this creation because this world doesn't know loving. It does not carry loving. It does not understand loving. The loving that exists in this world is only here because we as soul, which is the divine living loving essence of God, is present here. If every soul withdrew from this creation today, there would be no loving, there would be no joy, there would be no peace, there would be no kindness, there would be no caring, there would be no joy, there would be nothing that is of the soul essence. And the essence of soul is that which is God. We are that essence of loving that is God, and in loving is all that is of God. This material world is but a reflection 
I hope that that makes sense to you. Don't look for love here. Look for love here. Now, once you have the loving here, then you can begin to find others that are in the loving and begin to live in loving together. But you don't depend upon them to love you, to feel loved. You are in loving with yourself, and it's fun to share the loving with others and to play in the loving together. But you don't depend upon anybody to love you so that you feel loved and okay. Might be easier if it would work that way because then we could be fulfilled a lot quicker when mom says, I love you. What do you mean? I love you. We'd go, okay, then everything's fine. I'm loved. But does that happen? No. Your mate can tell you I love you a million times and you still may not feel it or know it because you do not have loving living inside of you. And until you have the loving living inside of you, you're just going to be crying for it, but not getting it. Find it inside. Go inside. And the pathway that we share is a simple, simple pathway of doing just that. Chanting the hue. Chanting the sacred name of God. And going inside and facing all the demons that lie within us, all of our darkness, and just walk through it in loving. And let the loving transform it into loving. Let loving transform it and bring the light forward. And you begin to live a different life.